The Wild Duck by Henrik Ibsen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act 5 Jalmar Ekdal's Studio Cold grey morning light, wet snow on the great panes of the skylight. Gina, in an apron and bib, with a broom and duster in her hand, comes from the kitchen and goes towards the door of the sitting-room. At the same time, Hedvig comes in hurriedly at the entrance-door. Stopping. Well? Oh, mother, I almost believe he's down at Relling's. There, you see? For the porter's wife said that she could hear that Relling had two people with him when he came home in the night. That's just what I thought. But that's no good if he won't come up to us. At any rate, I'll go down and speak to him. Old Ekdal, in dressing gown and slippers, and with a lighted pipe, comes in by the door of his room. I say, Yalmar, isn't Yalmar at home? No, he's gone out. So early in such a heavy snowstorm? Well, well, give me a hand, please. I, I can't go the morning rounds alone. He pushes aside the door of the loft. Hedvig helps him. He goes in. She closes the door after him. In a low voice. Oh, think, mother. When poor grandfather hears that father is going away from us. Oh, nonsense. Grandfather mustn't hear anything about it. It's a mercy he wasn't at home yesterday during all that hullabaloo. Yes, but... Gregish comes in at the entrance door. Well, have you found any trace of him? They say he's down at Relling's. At Relling's? Has he really been out with those creatures? He has, like enough. Yes, but he, so in need of solitude and of thorough self-examination. Yes, you may well say that. Relling comes in from the passage, going up to him. Is, is he father there? with you? Yes, of course he is. And you never told us. Yes, I'm a brute, but I had to get the other brute quiet first. The demonic one, of course. And then I fell so sound asleep that... What does Eichdahl say today? He doesn't say anything whatever. Doesn't he say anything? Not a blessed word. No, no, I can well understand that. But what's he doing, then? He's lying on the sofa, snoring. Really? Yes, Eichdahl's a great one to snore. Is he asleep? Can he sleep? Well, it looks like it. Very natural, after the spiritual strife that has torn him. And especially as he's not accustomed to knocking about at night. Perhaps it's as well, Mother, that Father is able to sleep. I think so, too. But now it's not worth while for us to go and wake him too soon. Thank you, anyhow, Relling. I must first tidy up the rooms, and then come and help me, Hedvig. Gina and Hedvig go into the sitting room. Turning to Relling, Can you explain to me the spiritual turmoil now going on in Hjalmar Ekdal? Upon my soul, I've not noticed any spiritual turmoil going on in him. What? At such a juncture? when a new foundation is being laid for his whole life. Now, can you imagine that a man of Hjalmar's individuality— Oh, individuality, he. 
if he ever had any tendencies to the abnormal developments that you call individuality they were extirpated root and branch while he was yet a boy i can assure you of that that would be strange after the loving care with which he was brought up you mean by those two affected hysterical maiden aunts i may tell you they were women who never lost sight of the claims of the ideal ah you'll jibe at me again i suppose no i'm in no humour for that moreover i know it all for he has poured forth any amount of rhetoric about his two spiritual mothers but i don't think he has much to thank them for it is ekdal's misfortune that in his circle he has always been taken for a shining light and isn't he one in depth of soul i mean i've never noticed anything of the sort that his father should have believed this well and good for the old lieutenant has been a blockhead all his life all his life he has been a man with a childlike mind that is what you cannot understand tut tut but as soon as the dear sweet jalmar went to college his fellow students instantly took him for the coming man he was good-looking the rascal red and white just the sort of thing to delight a schoolgirl and as he had that mobile temperament and that sympathetic voice and was so clever at declaiming the verses and ideas of others indignantly is it of hjalmar ekdal you are speaking like this yes with your permission that's how the idol before which you lie prostrate looks from within yet i don't think i am altogether blind either oh you're not so very far from it for you are a sick man too you see there you are right exactly you are suffering from a complicated complaint first there's that troublesome virtue fever and what's worse you're always working yourself up into a delirium of hero-worship you must always have something to admire outside yourself yes indeed i must seek it outside myself but you make such woeful blunders about the mighty paragons you think you see and hear about you here you have been visiting a farmer's cottage again with your claims of the ideal but the people in this house aren't solvent if you haven't a better opinion of hjalmar ekdal than that what pleasure can you find in being so constantly in his company good heavens i'm ashamed to say i'm supposed to be a sort of a kind of doctor and so i must look after the poor deceased folk living in the same house indeed is hjalmar ekdal diseased too most people are unfortunately and what remedy are you applying to hjalmar my usual one i take care to keep up his life lie the life lie did i hear correctly yes i said life lie for the life lie is the stimulating principle you see may i ask with what sort of a life lie hjalmar is infected no thanks i don't betray such secrets to quacks you'd be quite capable of muddling him up even more for me but the method is infallible i've applied it to molvik too i've made him demonic that's the fantasy i've had to put into his head 
then he's not demonic what the devil does it mean to be demonic that's only the gammon i've invented to keep him going if i'd not done that the poor inoffensive fellow would have succumbed to self-contempt and despair many a long year ago and then the old lieutenant but he really hit upon his own cure lieutenant ekdal what of him yes think of it he the bear hunter goes into that gloomy loft and hunts rabbits there's not a sportsman on earth happier than that old man when he's bustling about in there with all that rubbish the four or five withered christmas trees that he stored up there are to him the same as the whole of the great fresh hoidal forest the cock and the hens are to him game perched on the top of fir trees and the rabbits hopping about the floor of the loft they are the bears he grapples with he the hardy old hunter unfortunate old lieutenant ekdal yes he certainly has had to modify the ideals of his youth but by the way mr verily junior don't use that foreign word ideals we've as good a word lies do you think the two things are akin then yes much as typhus and putrescent fever are dr relling i shall not rest content until i have rescued hjalmar from your clutches that would be worst for him if you take away the average man's life lie you take away his happiness at the same time to hedvig who comes in from the sitting-room well little mother of the wild duck i'm going down now to see if your father's still lying there pondering on that wonderful invention he goes out at the entrance door approaching hedvig i can see from your face that it's not yet done what oh that about the wild duck no i suppose your strength of mind failed you when it came to the point no it's not that exactly but when i woke up early this morning and thought over what we'd talked about it seemed to me that it was so strange strange yes i don't know yesterday evening directly after i thought there was something so beautiful about it but after i had been to sleep and thought it over again there seemed to be nothing in it ah no i suppose you couldn't have grown up here without some falling off that doesn't matter if only father would come up i ah if only your eyes had been really opened to that which makes life of value if you had the real joyous brave spirit of sacrifice you would soon see that he would come up to you but i still have faith in you hedvig he goes out at the entrance door hedvig walks about the room she is going into the kitchen when there is a knock at the door of the loft hedvig goes and opens it a little old ekdal comes out she pushes the door to again hmm there's not much fun in doing the morning rounds alone didn't you want to go hunting grandfather not the weather today for hunting so dark there you can hardly see your hand before your face haven't you ever felt inclined to shoot at something besides the rabbits aren't the rabbits good enough hey yes but the wild duck <laughs> are you afraid i shall shoot your wild duck not for the world never no i suppose you couldn't 
for they say it's very difficult to shoot wild ducks. Couldn't. Should think I could. How would you set about it, Grandfather? I don't mean with my wild duck, but with another one. Would take care to shoot it under the breast, you know, for that's the safest. And, and then you must shoot against the feathers, you see, not with the feathers. And then they die, Grandfather? Yes, of course, if you shoot properly. Well, now I must go in and get myself up. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? He goes into his room. Hedvig waits for a moment, glances at the door of the sitting room, goes back to the bookcase, stands on tiptoe, takes down the double-barreled pistol from the shelf and looks at it. Gina, with broom and duster, comes in from the sitting room. Hedvig hurriedly and unnoticed puts away the pistol. Don't stand there rummaging among your father's things, Hedvig. Going away from the bookcase. I was only tidying it up. You'd better go into the kitchen and see if the coffee's keeping hot. I'll take the breakfast tray with me when I go down to him. Hedvig goes out. Gina begins sweeping and dusting the studio. After a while, the entrance door is open hesitatingly, and Jalmar Ekdal looks in. He has on his overcoat, but no hat. He is unwashed, and his hair is tumbled and dishevelled. His eyes are dull and lustreless. Stand still with the broom in her hand and looks at him. Ah, Eichdahl, so you've come after all. Comes in and answers in a hollow voice. I have come, only to depart at once. Yes, yes, so I suppose. But, good Lord, what a sight you do look. A sight? And your good winter coat, too. Well, that's done for. At the kitchen door. Mother, hadn't I better? She sees Yolmar, cries out with delight, and runs towards him. Oh, father, father! Turns from her and waves her off. Away, away, away! To Gina. Take her away from me, I say. In a low voice. Go into the sitting room, Hedvig. Hedvig goes in silently, busy pulling out the table drawer. I must have my books. Where are my books? What books? My scientific works, of course. The technical periodicals that I need for my invention. Searching in the bookcase. Are these the ones without any covers? Of course they are. Putting a heap of magazines on the table. Hadn't I better tell Hedvig to cut them for you? They need not be cut for me. A short pause. Then you're still determined to leave us, Eichdahl. Running over the books. Surely that's self-understood. Very well. Fiercely. For I can't stop here to have my heart pierced every hour of the day. God forgive you for thinking so poorly of me. Prove. I think it's for you to prove. After a past such as yours, there are certain demands. I am tempted to call them ideal demands. But about Grandfather, what's to become of him, poor old fellow? I know my duty. The helpless old man goes with me. I will go into the town and make arrangements. Hmm. Hesitatingly. Has anyone found my hat on the stairs? No. Have you lost it? Of course I had it when I came home last night. There's no doubt about that. But I can't find it this morning. Good Lord, where did you go with those two ragamuffins? Ah, uh, don't question me on trivial matters. Do you think I'm in the mood to remember details? So long as you've not taken cold, Eichdahl. She goes into the kitchen. 
speaking to himself in a low, bitter voice, whilst he empties the drawer. You're a scamp, Relling, a rogue, a shameless tempter. If only I could get someone to kill you. He lays on one side a number of old letters, comes upon the torn paper of the day before, takes it up, and looks at the pieces. He puts them down hurriedly when Gina comes in, putting a breakfast tray on the table. Here's some hot coffee, if you should want it, and there's some bread and butter too, and some salt meat. Glancing at a tray. Salt meat! Never beneath this roof. It is true I've partaken of no solid food for four and twenty hours, but no matter. My memoranda, the notes of my autobiography, where's my diary, and my important papers? He opens the door of the sitting-room, but draws back. She is there, too. Well, good Lord, the child must be somewhere. Go out. He stands aside. Hedvig, frightened, comes into the studio. With his hand on the door-handle to Gina. During the last moments I am spending in what was once my home, I wish to be spared from interlopers. He goes into the room springing to her mother's face in a low trembling voice does he mean me stop in the kitchen hedvig or no you'd better go to your own room speaking to jalmar as she goes into him wait a moment eikdal don't upset those drawers i know where all the things are hedvig stands still for a moment frightened and irresolute biting her lips to keep back her tears then she clenches her hands convulsively and says in a low voice, A wild duck! She steals to the bookcase and takes the pistol from the shelf, just opens the door of the loft, slips in and closes the door behind her. Jalmar and Gina begin discussing within the sitting-room. Jalmar comes in with several notebooks and loose papers, which he puts down on the table. Ah, what's the good of the portamento? There are a thousand things I must drag about with me. Following him with a portmanteau. Why don't you leave the rest for a while, and take a shirt and a pair of drawers with you? Phew! These wearisome preparations. He takes off his overcoat and throws it on the sofa. And the coffee's getting cold, too. Hmm. Takes a mouthful, abstractedly, and then another, dusting the backs of the chairs. The most difficult thing will be to find such a large loft for the rabbits. What? Must I drag all the rabbits about with me, too? Yes. Grandfather can't do without the rabbits, I'm sure. He will have to get used to that. I have to renounce higher things in life than rabbits. Dusting the bookcase. Shall I put the flute into the portmanteau for you? No. No flute for me. But give me the pistol. Do you want to take the pigstol? Yes, my loaded pistol. Looking for it. It's gone. He must have taken it in there with him. Is he in the loft? Of course he's in the loft. Hmm. The lonely old man. He takes a piece of bread and butter, eats it, and drinks the cup of coffee. If only we'd not let that room, you might have moved in there. I should remain under the same roof as... Never! Never! But couldn't you stop for a day or two in the sitting-room? You'd have it all to yourself. Never within these walls. Well, then, downstairs at Relling and Mulvick's. Don't mention those creatures' names. The mere thought of them takes away my appetite. 
ah no i must go from house to house seeking shelter for father and myself but you've got no hat eichdall you've lost it oh those two miscreants so rich in all vices i must get a hat somehow takes another piece of bread and butter something must be done for i can't afford to risk my life he looks for something on the tray what are you looking for butter i'll get you some directly she goes into the kitchen Yalmar calls after her oh it doesn't matter dry bread will do just as well bringing in a butter dish here you are it's quite fresh she pours him out another cup of coffee he sits down on the sofa spreads more butter on his bread and eats and drinks for a while in silence could i without being worried by any one no matter whom could i stop by for a day or two in the sitting-room yes you could very well if you would for i can't see any possibility of getting all father's things away at once and besides you must tell him first that you won't go on living with us pushing the cup of coffee from him that too i shall have to go into all this complicated business i must reflect i must have breathing space i cannot bear all these burdens in one day especially in such awful weather as it is outside putting away the letter from varla i see the papers still lying here yes i've not touched it the rag doesn't concern me i'm sure i don't intend making any use of it but all the same there's no need to throw it away in all the confusion of my moving it might so easily be i'll take good care of it ekdal the deed of gift belongs first and foremost to father and it is for him to say if he intends to make use of it sighing yes poor old father for safety's sake where's the gum going to the bookcase here's the gum pot and the brush here's the brush she brings him them taking up a pair of scissors just a bit of paper for the back cuts and gums far be it from me to lay hands upon the property of others and least of all upon that of a penniless old man no nor upon that of any one else that's it let it lie there for a while and when it's dry put it away i never want to set eyes on that document again never gregor Schwerle comes in from the passage somewhat astonished what are you sitting here hjalmar rising hurriedly i had sunk down from exhaustion you've had breakfast too i see corporal needs make themselves felt at times what have you decided to do for a man like me there is but one way i am busy just getting my most important papers together but of course you know that takes time somewhat impatiently am i to get the room ready for you or am i to pack the portmanteau with a vexed side glance at gregish pack and get the room ready taking up the portmanteau all right then i'll put in the shirt and the other things she goes into the sitting-room and shuts the door after her after a short pause i never thought it would end like this is it really necessary for you to leave house and home walking about uneasily what would you have me do i was not made to bear unhappiness gregers i must have comfort and security and peace about me but can't you have that only try it 
now it seems to me there is firm ground here to build upon and begin from the beginning and remember you've the invention to live for don't speak of the invention perhaps there's nothing much in it how so why good heavens what do you really want me to invent other men have invented pretty well everything already it is becoming more difficult every day and you who have worked so hard at it it was that debauchee relling who made me take it up relling yes it was he who first called my attention to my aptitude for making some remarkable discovery in photography aha uh -huh. it was relling ah i have been so intensely happy over this not so much for the invention or for myself but because hedvig believed in it with all the strength and might of a child's mind that is to say i was fool enough to persuade myself she believed in it can you really believe that hedvig would be false to you now i know what it all means it is hedvig who stands in my way she will blot out the sun for my whole life hedvig do you mean hedvig how could she blot it out for you without answering i have loved that child beyond all words i was happy beyond all words whenever i returned to my poor home and she with her sweet little short-sighted eyes flew to meet me confiding fool that i was I cared for her beyond all words, and, poet-like, I lulled myself in the delusion that she also cared for me beyond all words. And you say that was only a delusion? How can I tell? I can't get anything out of Gina, and besides, she lacks all sense of the ideal side of these complications. But I feel impelled to open my heart to you, Gregers. There is that terrible doubt perhaps hedvig has never really and truly loved me you may yet have proof of that listening what is that the wild duck screaming the wild ducks quacking father's in the loft it is he his eyes brighten with pleasure i say again you may yet have proof that poor misunderstood hedvig loves you ah uh, what proof can she give me I dare not believe any protestations from that quarter. Hedvig certainly does not know what deceit is. Ah, Gregers, that's just what is not so certain. Who knows what Gina and that Mrs. Sorby may have sat many a time here whispering and tattling about. And Hedvig keeps her ears open, I can tell you. Perhaps the deed of gift wasn't so unexpected after all i fancy i noticed something of the sort what has taken possession of you my eyes have been opened watch and you'll see the deed of gift is but a beginning mrs sorby has always done a great deal for hedvig and now it's in her power to do what she likes for the child they can take her from me at any time and hour they choose not for all the world would hedvig go away from you don't be so sure of that suppose they stood there with their hands full beckoning her ah uh, i who would have loved her beyond all words 
I, who would have found my greatest joy in taking her tenderly by the hand and guiding her as one guides a child frightened at the darkness through some wild, desolate space. Now I feel the gnawing certainty. The poor photographer in his attic home has never been anything holy and completely to her. She has only been cunning enough to keep on good terms with him until the right time should come. You don't believe this yourself, Yalmar. That's the terrible part of it, that I don't know what to believe, that I never shall know. But can you really doubt that it must be as I say? <laughs> you rely too much upon the claims of the ideal, my good Gregers. If only the others came with hands overflowing and cried to the child, Leave him. Here with us life awaits you. Quickly. Well, what then? If then I asked her, Hedvig, are you willing to forego that life for me? <laughs> no, thank you. You'd soon hear the answer. A pistol shot is heard in the loft, loudly and gladly. Yalmar! There. Now he must needs go hunting. Coming in. Oh, Eichdahl, I think grandfathers are firing away in the loft by himself. I'll look in. Eagerly and moved. One moment. Do you know what that was? Of course I do. No, you do not, but I know it. It was the proof. What proof? It was a child's sacrifice. She has got your father to shoot the wild duck. Shoot the wild duck? Well, I never. But what for? She wanted to sacrifice for you the best thing she had on earth. For then she thought you might learn to love her again. Softly and with emotion. Ah, the child. What thing she does get hold of. She only wanted to win back your love, Hjalmar. She felt she could not live without it. Struggling with her tears. Now, you see yourself, Eikdal. Gina, where is she? Sniffling. Poor child. I suppose she's sitting out in the kitchen. Goes to the kitchen door and opens it. Hedvig, come. Come in to me. Looking in. No, she is not here. Then she's sitting in her little room. Outside. No, she is not here either. Coming in. She must have gone out. Yes, you know you wouldn't have her about the house. Ah, uh, if she will only return home soon, that I may really tell her. Now all shall be well, Gregers, for I believe now we can start life afresh. Quietly. I knew it. I knew the regeneration would come through the child. Old Ekdal comes in from the door of his room. He is in full uniform and is busy buckling on his sword. Astonished. Father, are you there? Have you been shooting in your room? Reproachfully approaching. So you go hunting by yourself, Yalmar? Anxiously and confused. So it wasn't you shooting in the loft? I shooting? Hmm? Cries out to Yalmar. She has shot the wild duck herself. What is that? He rushes to the door of the loft pushes it aside, looks in and cries out. Hedvig! Running to the door. Good God! What is it? 
going in. She is lying on the floor. Hedwig. Lying on the floor. Going in to Yalmar. Goes into the loft. No, no, no. <laughs> so she's going in for shooting too. Yalmar, Gina, and Gregish carry Hedwig into the studio. Her right hand hangs down, holding the pistol tightly clasped between her fingers. Distracted. The pistol has gone off. She has wounded herself. Call for help. Help! Running into the passage and calling. Relling! Relling! Dr. Relling, hurry up here as fast as you can. Yalmar and Gregish lay Hedvig on the sofa. Quietly. Words avenge themselves. On his knees by her. She'll come round directly. She'll come round directly. Yes! 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 Who has come in again? Where has she wounded herself? I can't see anything. Relling enters hurriedly, and immediately after him, Molvik, who is without waistcoat and collar, and has his coat open. What's the matter? They say Hedvig has shot herself. Come here and help. Shot herself? He moves aside the table and begins to examine her. Yalmar, lying on the floor, looks anxiously at him. Surely it's not dangerous, eh, really? She's hardly bleeding at all. Surely it's not dangerous. How did this happen? Ah, uh, how should I know? She wanted to shoot the wild duck. The wild duck? The pistol must have gone off. Hmm, I see. The woods avenge themselves, but I'm not afraid for all that. He goes into the loft and closes it behind him. Well, Relling, why don't you speak? She's shot in the breast. Yes, but she'll come round. Surely you see that Hedvig is dead. Bursting into tears. Oh, the child, the child. Hoarsely. In the depths of the ocean. Springing up. No, no, she must live. Ah, for God's sake, really, only one moment. Only till I shall have told her how I loved her beyond all words all this time. She's shot through the breast, bleeding inwardly. She must have died on the spot. And I, who drove her from me like a wild animal. <laughs> and scared, she crept into the loft and died for love of me. <laughs> Never to be able to make that good again. <laughs> Never to be able to tell her. Clenching his hands and crying out. Oh, thou art above if thou art there why hast thou done this to me hush hush you must not say such wicked things we had no right to keep her i suppose the child is not dead she sleepeth bosh quieting down he goes to the sofa and looks at hedvig with folded arms there she lies so stiff and still trying to take the pistol from her hand. She's holding it so tight, so tight. No, no, Relling, don't break her fingers. Let the pigstool be. She shall take it with her. Yes, leave it here. But the child shall not lie here to be made a show of. She shall go by herself into her own little room. Help me with her, Eichdell. 
Yalmar and Gina take up Hedvig between them, as they are carrying her. Oh, Gina, Gina, can you bear it? One of us must help the other, for she belongs to both of us now, I know. Stretching out his arms and murmuring, Praised be the Lord, to earth thou shalt return, to earth thou shalt return. Whispers. Hold your row, man, you're drunk. Yalmar and Gina carry out the dead body at the kitchen door. Relling closes it after them. Molvik slinks out through the passage. Goes up to Gregish. Nothing'll ever make me believe that shot was an accident. Gregish, who has been standing horror-stricken, shuddering convulsively. No one can say how this terrible thing happened. The powder has singed her dress. She must have put the pistol straight to her breast and fired. Hedvig has not died in vain. Did you see how grief set free all that is noble in him? Most people are ennobled when they stand sorrowing by the dead. But how long do you suppose this fine feeling will last with him? It will last and grow all his life through. In three quarters of a year, little Hedwig will be nothing more to him than an excellent theme for declamation. And you dare to say this of Hjalmar Ekdal? We'll talk about it again, when the first grass has withered upon her grave. Then you'll hear him perorating about the father's heart bereft too soon of its child. Then you'll see him steeping himself in emotion and in self-admiration and self-pity. Wait and see. If you are right and I am wrong, then life is not worth living. Ah, life might be pleasant enough all the same, if only we could be left in peace by those blessed duns who come worrying us poor folk about the claims of the ideal. Looking in front of him. At any rate, I am glad that my destiny is what it is. I beg your pardon? What is your destiny? Going. To be the thirteenth at table. Devil a doubt of that. End of Act 5 End of The Wild Duck by Henrik Ibsen